1: Amen. Welcome, everyone. Christ Fellowship, it's time to get started, as Pastor Carlos said, with our year-long series of reading through the Bible. I am looking forward to this. I'm excited for this, and I welcome all of you today, all of you, every single one of you here today, and everyone watching. And especially in terms of watching and listening, I want to say hello to you. Yes, you right there in the future. You who aren't here right now, but will be watching and listening to this in the time to come. I don't know you, or maybe I do, but this message today as we begin our journey through the scriptures is for you out there as well. I don't know what year it is. I don't know where you are, but this is for you as well. Everyone, it's time to get into the word, and I truly believe that there's a hunger for knowledge of the Bible. I believe there's a hunger and a thirst for knowledge and understanding of the scripture in ways that you might not even thought you could know the Bible through. See, it's great to have memory verses, that's cool. It's great to have morning devotionals, that's great too, that's all good. But I think there's more. And I think that you want more. Who here wants more knowledge understanding of the Bible. Let's be honest. Raise your hand up. Who wants more knowledge and understanding of the Bible? Who, let's, let's, let's just get real, right? Who wants to talk about the Bible like you actually know what you're talking about? There it is. There it is right there. Who wants to be able to actually give something to someone in your family or your coworker or someone, your neighbor, and actually give them scripture that's meaningful, Plant the seed in the good soil that will let them grow. See, that's the thing. I think there's a hunger and a thirst for knowledge and understanding, wisdom about the Word of God. And I'm really, really honored to start in the beginning with our first book of the Bible. You know it. Genesis. The first book of the Bible. Genesis. Everyone say that out loud. Genesis. The first book of the Bible. And not only... Is Genesis the first book of the Bible? It's the first book of the first section of the Bible. See, the Bible is broken up into many different sections. And the first section of the Bible is the first five books. Now, in Hebrew, from all the way back then till now, this is called the Torah. Everybody say Torah. It's also called the Pentateuch, meaning five. Penta, five. The Torah is the first five books of Scripture. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now you might say, who made these titles? Like, What what, what does that even mean? I can barely say that out loud. Don't worry, we'll guide you through everything. Don't worry, we'll guide you through everything. If you had that brochure that PC was uh, waving around before, you could see the exact schedule of every book of the Bible when it will come through in the month, and the teacher that day will explain everything to you. But here's something to understand about these first five books of the Bible, the Torah. The Torah forms the foundation for all scripture. The Torah is the root of Scripture. All the scholars and all the the Hebrew scholars from all the way back generations, they look to these first five books of the Bible. They refer to as the law or the law of Moses or as the word Torah means teaching. That's just what the word means. It means teaching. They looked at this as the foundation for all Scripture saying, you know, the Torah, that's where it starts, the law of Moses. Now, why Moses? Now, he's, that Moses is a popular person. You've probably heard that name, at least. There's movies and things like that about Moses, right? Classic movies that some of us grew up watching. Moses has a hand in writing a lot of what's in the Torah. Now, it was gathered together, it was written, a lot of the accounts, it was put into a form that we have it today. As time went on, that's usually how history works. That's, that is the root of all scripture, the Torah. And this word Genesis is not the original title of this work. The original title is the Hebrew word Bershit, which means in the beginning. That's the first three words of the Bible, in the beginning. Genesis is a book of beginnings, and it's 50 chapters, as PC mentioned before. And you can divide this into two major sections. You have Genesis chapter 1 through 11, And you have Genesis chapter 12 through 50. Now, Genesis 1 through 11, this is the classic cosmic stuff. Creation, the Garden of Eden, the fall or falls, plural, of mankind, Cain and Abel. And of course, every Sunday school toddler's favorite, Noah's Ark. Everyone, listen, we had a Noah's Ark whole set and toy. You know, we had Noah's Ark. Uh, uh, decor around the room. Everyone loves that Noah's Ark, you little giraffes hanging out the window and all that cute stuff. It's, it's a pretty heavy story when you get past the Sunday school, but you know, we'll, we'll get to that another time. So that's the classic stories, the, the, the really cosmic big picture level stories in chapters 1 through 11. But then you get to chapters 12 through 50, where it follows a group of people throughout generations. It follows a group of people called the Patriarchs. Everybody say Patriarchs. Now, these guys are also pretty famous when it comes to the Bible. Maybe you've heard of this in Sunday school, but remember, we're going to go beyond Sunday school for a lot of this throughout the year. You have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, famous names throughout the Bible. And that is chapters 12 through 50, covering that whole line of the Patriarchs, which we are going to focus on much today, now. See, I was praying a lot to really think of, okay, if we could say the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the first book of the Torah, the book of beginnings, if we could funnel this into just one topic, if we could funnel this into just one word, a single word, what would it be? What would it be? What what would it be, one word, one topic that could cover literally everything? And I'm talking everything, even creation, even the Garden of Eden, even the falls of mankind, even Noah's Ark, even the nations, even the patriarchs. If there's one word that would cover all that, that would be the main subject of Genesis and would also teach all of us about the identity of God and who God is at his core, what would that word be? So I prayed And it came to me right quick, bang, that one word is family. Family. And as I'm reading through it, I'm looking, I'm like, this whole thing, the whole book, all 50 chapters, the whole thing, this is about family. This is about family. And then especially in that second section, 12 through 50, it literally follows one family. Throughout four generations, following one distinct family line, one after another, after another, after another, and you'll see that you have a part to play in the concept of family if you so choose, if you so choose. Now, we're going to really explain a lot of this today, and I'm really happy to explain this to you, but but first, but first, but first, since we're going through the Bible, can we just, just Just ask God that the word would fall fresh on us. Can we just just, just put your hands up real quick? Just Can we just say, God, just have your word fall fresh on me. I want a new freshness of your word. Point out things that I never noticed before. Cut me to the heart, God. Like Paul prayed, open the eyes of my heart so that I may know you, God. Can we just say, God, just fall fresh, Just, just fresh, 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 fresh. Not same old, same old, fresh fresh, fresh. God, I want to graduate out of Sunday school. I want to get past the kindergarten level of Bible knowledge. God, just fall fresh, fresh, fresh. Amen. Amen. It's time to grow up a little bit, everyone. And this year can't be same old, same old business as usual when it comes to the Bible. Let's get new. Let's get fresh and let's learn. So like I said, the main theme is family. And here's something you got to know about God. Here's something that you got to know this about God, that God Almighty is a family man. God Almighty is a family man. God wants a family, a united family. God, as we call him many times, is the father. Now, that's a relational term. That's a relational title, father, because if there's a father, then there must be a child. There has to be some type of family relationship together. And God Almighty, he's a family man. He longs to have a family. A family that's united to do his will, to do what he's about in his creation. God's creation is made so that there could be a family to do his will. When God created humanity, he gave them a ton of responsibility over creation. He said, here it is. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. I give you this. Now, fill the earth, multiply. That sounds like family. That sounds like generations. That sounds like a long time big picture. In fact, the very word Eden in Garden of Eden means delight. God is saying here, this is for you to govern and to grow and to cultivate in my authority that I give to you. Humanity is not made to be God's pawn. Humanity is not made to be God's puppet. Humanity is to be God's partner. We are meant to be God's partners. In what? The family business. We are God's partners, and he longs to have a partner that he can tag team with To make creation go the way he plans it. We're not marionette puppets. We're not sock puppets. And we're not pawns in some giant cosmic chess match. No. We are God's partners. That's the intention behind it. For God to partner, creator, and creation working together as one. But, 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 but. Not everyone's down with that. And not just humans either. In the spiritual realm, eh, eh, not so much. Not so much. Rebellious spirits tempting mankind saying, hey, you know, do it yourself. You don't need God. Do it yourself. Do it on your own authority. You don't need God's authority. And that's a choice we made. That's a choice that was made. However, God wants his will done with his family. So God selected out of all the different ethnic groups. Out of all the different peoples on planet Earth, God selected one man, one man, a man named Abram, who later would be renamed Abraham. And that's where we're going to pick up this story. You see, Abraham has a long lineage, a long lineage, and God selects him to do something big to make sure that God has an earthly family that is going to do his will to bring creation into its fullness. So when he meets with Abraham, God Almighty, he says this. This is Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, if you follow along. I will make you, this is God speaking to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Through you. God blesses Abraham so that Abraham can bless everybody. Everybody. If God came to you, And said, hey, I want to bless you so you can bless the world. Would you buckle under that pressure? Would you say like, oh, me? What would you say to that? See, because God is about his business. And he wants to know who else is about his business. Who is about bringing blessing to the world? Who is joining with God as a family partnership to bless all nations? to bring a blessing and not a curse to the world. Who's down for that? And God always wants to know. And God selected Abraham to do this. Now Abraham, he's not a perfect guy. He's not. And neither are you, neither am I. He's not a perfect man whatsoever. And as you read through Genesis, I mean, he made his errors. Believe me, he made his errors. God promised that him and his wife would have a son and that son would be the first person of that nation that was going to grow. But they got impatient with God to the point where they arranged for another woman to have a child. And that was a whole big mess that God had to clean it up later for them. He lied to people. He had to deceive people to save himself. And it got to the point where God had to really see what was up with Abraham. God had to really see, okay, are you, are you really down for this? Are you really about what I'm about? I got to put you to the test. Now, I spoke about this last year, or two years ago, rather, actually. And we talked about this idea of God providing, and we talked about the test that Abraham went through. And I'm going to summarize some of it, but I want to read part of it, too. In short, God said, Abraham, I need you to go and perform a sacrifice ritual, okay? Not that, not, not, I mean, that's, that happens, okay? But the sacrifice is going to be the son that I promised to you. I need you to go up to the mountain and take care of that. And Abraham did it. Abraham went to that mountain. It's a great, great, dramatic story to read in Genesis chapter 22. It is. I mean, it, the, the drama is just, just rich. He was about to do it. He was about to sacrifice his son, Isaac, as a burnt offering. And that means he was going to go and then light the kid on fire. That's how that works. And he was about to do it. But God said, no, 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 stop. Stop, 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 stop. And says this, Genesis twenty-two fifteen 15 through 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham for a second time and said, I swear by myself declares the Lord, that because you have done this, you have not withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, your offspring, through your children, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So there's that blessing again, right? There's that blessing again. But this time the blessing comes through loyalty, faithfulness, trust, obedience to God. See, we're not perfect. Nobody is. And God will see who's about it and who's not. But to those of us who hold strong and remember our commitment to God, there's blessing in store. And not just for you, not just for you, but through you to your children and to their children and on and on and on and on and on as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand on the seashore. Now, I remember um, a lyric from a Christian um, singer, Rich Mullins, said, sometimes I think of Abraham, how one star he saw was me, a descendant. Of him. See, we we tend to think as human beings, we think day by day, week by week, maybe month by month, kind of sort of year by year, maybe, maybe not. But God is thinking big picture. God is thinking generations, generations. That's decades, that's centuries generations of time, God's saying what you do now, today, will affect generations of people in the far-flung future. Now, who knows what that's going to look like? But what we do know is that a foundation is laid today, here, now, with us, all gathered. It's a tremendous responsibility, but it's worth it in the end because the blessing that you experience is not to be hoarded it's blessing to bless others, bless others who bless others who bless others who bless others, which is why you're all here right now, which is why we're here now today. The road was paved for you. The road was paved. But the key is this, and this is a, a big challenge. I'm going to really challenge you with this one. I'm going to really put this out there to really get this in our heads as you think about time. Think of yourself. Yourself. Think of yourself. As an ancestor. Think of yourself as an ancestor. Now we know that we have family lineage going back, 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 back. I don't know how many generations you can go back, back, back. Maybe you've done the Ancestry.com. Maybe you've done the 23andMe. Maybe you've done all those things. You've made a family tree. Maybe a grandparent has some book of record keeping. I don't know what it is. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But we can understand that. We can understand back, back, back. But try to wrap your head around this. What about forward in time? What about forward to 100 years from now, one of your own descendants, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 500 years from now? Think of yourself as an ancestor. It's funny because when it comes to Abraham, and we even have a little cute little Sunday school song. Now, if you ever taught Sunday school or been through Sunday school, you might remember this one. I see some people bobbing along already. You know this one? Father Abraham. Had many sons. Come on. Many sons had. Don't be shy. Uh Uh-huh. All right. All right, stop. We're not doing the hand motion. Stop, 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 stop. We ain't doing all that. But even that song, even though it's a little kid's song, it's profound. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you. Abraham lived thousands of years ago. But we're singing a little song as kids saying we're connected to him. Now imagine you as the ancestor. Imagine someone finds the records of you, which they might because all of our lives are recorded via social media. They might see you from 100 years, 200 years ago. What are you bringing to them? Now for those of us who are parents now, we really got to consider that. What are we bringing now to our own children? Because what we bring to our children will be there for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, and our great-great-grandchildren, and on and on and on and on and on, just like how it was for you. Back, 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 here you are, but now forward, forward, forward. It's a tremendous thing, but God is thinking generationally. But are we? Or are we thinking just here now, and I'm going to do my thing, and oh, well. We're all passing something through. We're all passing something through. Take a look at this picture. Take a look at this picture of a a hero. just throw it up right there. Oh, there he is right there. Oh, yes. Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. I love Marvel. I love all that. And I love this meme that was made. It says, your family history. And it's a runaway bus. And in the foreground, it says, your child. Look at that little kid just bopping along doing his thing. And that family history might destroy a child. That family trauma could destroy a child. That family hurt or family curse could hurt a child. But here's you. Here's you. In the name of Jesus, holding it back, saying, no, no. I know what I experienced as a child. I know. I know. And I don't want that to fall on my children. No, 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 no. I'm holding it back with all my strength because I'm trying to do a new thing in the name of Jesus. I don't want the same old, same old for my family. I mean, some of us have family curses of alcoholism, abuse, debt that has really put a a strangle on us. And it hurts. It really does. It hurts a lot because we think, you know, especially as you age yourself, you kind of reflect on your upbringing. Especially if you're a parent, you kind of reflect on your own upbringing and certain things. You're like, why why was it like that? Could it have been better? And it's hard sometimes. I've, I've experienced that multiple times over the past about three years, really reflecting on my own upbringing. Like, man, did it have to be like that? Could it have been different? Could it have been? However, that pain and suffering that I might have gone through or you might have gone through, you got to make a decision like, okay, that, that, I, I took that one as a child, but there is no way that my child is going through that. We're planting a new flag. We're doing a new thing, and I'm not letting this baggage from way back affect my own children because I know what that's like, and there's no way I'm going to have that be on them. But you got to think of yourself as an ancestor. you got to think of yourself as a person like Abraham. God's saying, because you obeyed me, I'll bless you, and your children will be a blessing. Your children will bless the world. Because you're aligned with me. We're the family. We're the family together. That's the key, everyone. We're the family together. Now, of course, humans being humans, people being people, you have the next generation. You have Abraham. You have Isaac. And, you know, some of those things filtered through. Some of the bad habits and bad actions filtered through. uh, Isaac repeated some of the things that Abraham did. And God had to take care of that. We know the truth of this for better or for worse. Your family is your example for better or worse. But you in wisdom have to decide what you are going to be passing through. You have to know that. The story continues throughout the generations. Abraham, Isaac, and the next one, Jacob. Now, for those of you who have read these stories, you've read these stories, you know this. I mean, you, you, you want to talk about family drama? Let me tell you something right now. You think you got family drama, and you probably do. You probably do. And you got family drama, and you feel alone in your family drama. I'm the only person with family drama. Read the Bible. Woo! Family drama? What? I mean, my goodness. And we got. Married people yelling at each other. We got brothers killing each other. We got, I mean, there's a the whole thing in there. There's fa- some deep family drama in the Bible. I mean, this is, this is good stuff, right? We want to don't read this? Don't you want to read this? I want to read this. Um, you know, as we look through this, we got to understand that this is, you know, this is real stuff here. It's not some, you know, the Bible is not just some, I- like, philosophy idea just kind of floating out there and, you know, can kind of pick one here and pick one there and put it all together. No, this is, this is, a, this is, this is human stuff. This is real hard stuff. Is narratives and stories that are really supposed to teach you. And as we get to this story in particular, I mean, this one, I mean, the drama, the ebb and flow, the story, the plot. I mean, my goodness. I've yet to see a movie that got this one right. That wasn't, you know, PG. So we have Isaac. At this point, Isaac's old man. Old man and... He's in his last days. He's an old man. And it's time to settle some family business about the inheritance. Now, I don't know personally for you, but I've seen this many times, is when an older parent is in their twilight, sometimes a lot of dirty laundry gets aired. Sometimes the family drama cranks it up a few levels. Who's gonna get what? Who was the child who did the most? How does this work? Who's making the decisions, the legal decisions, the financial decisions? This can get a little rough and dicey. This can get a little dicey for everyone. Don't get me wrong here. I don't wanna try to gloss over it. This can get a little dicey. But what happens is this You had Isaac and Rebecca, and Rebecca is pregnant with twins, and these twins. They're going to create a lot of drama for the family, them together, two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And they were fighting since in the womb, it says. Not only just kids just kicking around or whatever. I mean, it's it's to the point where in the scripture it says it was like two nations battling each other. That poor woman, right? Goodness. Two nations at war with each other, like in, in, in your body? That poor woman. My goodness. Wow. But, but. God had told her that things were going to be a little opposite in the norm of that family. The younger brother would be the one exalted. The older brother would be the one that wasn't. Now, how that was supposed to play out? Well, uh, there's some family drama, some back-channeling, some plotting, some, some crazy family drama stuff. And in short, there's a plot that's made, is that Jacob, his very name means a deceiver. So Jacob likes to work in deception. A little look over here while I do this over here. A little, yeah, I'll help you out, but, you know, you got to send something my way. And Jacob's that dude. Jacob's that dude. So what happens is this. They're going to fool Isaac into blessing Jacob with the inheritance. They're going to fool Isaac. And when I say they, I mean his mom and Jacob. They're going to fool him to the point where in this deception, because Isaac, he's, he's old, he's blind, his, his senses are all out of whack. To the point where he says, "Uh, he's going to give his, his uh, Jacob's going to give his dad a meal, but he's going to pose as his brother. And in Genesis twenty seven twenty, 20, says, Isaac asked his son, he said, you know, how did you find this food so quickly? And then Jacob says something interesting. And I, and I, I you know, the first time I noticed this, I was really shook. He says, the Lord your God gave me success. Wait, wait. There's a certain word in there. I don't know if you see it. He says, the Lord your God gave me success. Now, wait, wait, wait. wait. This is Jacob, whose father is Isaac, who therefore his grandfather is Abraham. And why is there a separation there? Why is there a separation? Is he not saying our God. He's saying, You're God, you dad. That's that's you know, your, your your thing, your dad. Now, Christian parents, especially, you have to realize something. Salvation is not genetically transferable. There has to be a decision that's made. And family drama and family issues can take away from all that. And this drama, this, this family issue, this can really hurt. You know, it, it's so interesting that this family shows so much dysfunction. Yet they're a patriarch family. I mean, think of the experiences of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob and Esau. But things fall apart as generations go through. And what one generation might stand in God, the next generation may not. It's something that needs to be decided and cultivated. And then even with that, it's a hope in God that this carries through, that everyone will make their decision and make the right one. But it takes some conscious family work to bow before God as a family. You know, we like to quote that proverb about train a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. But parents, I got to ask you, before you train the child in the way they should go, do you know the way you should go? Do you know the way? You can't lead someone to something you don't do. Do you know? Do you know what to do? Are you following in the way? Because I'll tell you, as your child grows up and we've seen this and I've seen this, They will quickly call out your hypocrisy. Quickly. Quickly. Do as I say, not as I do. They'll quickly do that. And maybe you did that with your own family. Maybe you noticed that as you went on. Maybe it was God was, yeah, that's your version, but I don't know. But maybe you came back here. So the drama continues. Esau finds out that he he just lost everything. He's supposed to be the older brother. He lost it all. Everything. And then he says this. Talk about family drama. Genesis 27, verses 36 and 41. Esau says, isn't he rightly named Jacob the deceiver? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. And then he asks his father, have you anything for me? The answer was no. Through this deception and all these different turns, the answer was No. Later on, Esau says, says Esau held a grudge against Jacob because the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, and then I will kill my brother Jacob. He said, I'm going to kill this kid. As soon as dad is gone and you get that inheritance, you are dead. And then it's mine. Now, this is a patriarch family. I mean, we're two generations in from the blessing of Abraham. And already, as you can see, things are, they're in that place. The tension is there. Families are complicated. Families are hard. The relationships are difficult. I mean, we just came out of the holiday season. And I'm sure there were some people who you saw or interacted with that, well, let's just say, if they weren't in your family, probably wouldn't spend a lot of time with them. Let's just, let's just, let's just leave it at that. If you weren't blood-related or marriage-related to them, you might not miss spending a lot of time with these people. But nevertheless, you're a family. But families have to be bond together by something greater than themselves. Families need to be anchored in God. Families need to be anchored in someone who's greater than them because only God can unify people together. Even people who don't want to be unified, God can teach us how to love one another as a family. And this happens a lot. But here's the big part of the relationship with Esau and Jacob. Here's the big one right here. And you got to follow along with me on this one, everyone. This is Genesis 33, 3 through 11. If you got your apps, you got the book, let's go. This is some real heavy stuff. But I want to show you this because I want to show you how family drama can be overcome in godliness. It can be overcome in godliness. Jacob is on the run again. He's on the run again. He's got a lot of issues, Jacob. He's on the run again. This time from his father-in-law. Go figure. He's on the run again, but he hears that the area he's going into, that's where Esau is. Remember Esau, his brother, who, last we saw Esau, he said, I'm going to kill my brother. He says, oh, Esau's out there, and he has an army with him. <sighs> ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. All right. So he thinks, like, well, maybe I can, like, you know, smooth this out. So he sends a bunch of stuff to his brother. Like, hey, take this. Stuff. I got stuff. Send stuff to you. Send stuff to you. Send stuff. He goes there. And the night before, he has that epic moment. An amazing moment where he wrestles with God. It's a famous thing. It's represented in art all over through the centuries. He wrestles with God and he struggles with God before he's about to meet with his brother. And he says to God as he wrestles with him, he says, you know, bless me. But God gives him a new name. And the name Jacob gets is Israel, which means he struggled with God. And isn't that right? He struggled with God. All the time in his own family, he struggled with God. But the day came now where that that, that deceiver, the one who struggles with God, is now going to meet his brother. Who he knows that his brother is carrying rage and anger about him. He hasn't seen him in a long time, but the last time he saw him, he had a death sentence on him. And It says this, Genesis 33. He himself... Jacob, Israel, went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. And can you imagine the the feeling, walking, seeing him right there, knowing that not only it's your brother, but your brother's army that's out there as well that could come and destroy you. What was going through his head, bowing first time, second time, third time, and on and on. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they, Jacob and Esau, wept. And they wept. Have you ever had an argument with your sibling or your family member? Have you ever had that anger and rage? But have you ever embraced them? in love, despite all that. Then Esau looked up, and he saw the women and children. Hey, who are these? Oh, this is, this is my family. Wow, this is, this is a beautiful moment. And he, he led them around and said, hey, here's all the kids. Here you go. And then last of all came Joseph, Rachel, and they bowed down. And Esau says, what, what's the meaning of all this flocks and herds I met? Why did you give me all this stuff? And, he, and Jacob says, to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, 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 please, said Jacob. In this part, you've got to think about yourself here. Could you do this? If I have found favor in your eyes, please accept this gift from me for to see your face. Is to see the face of God. And now that you have received me favorably, please accept the present that was brought to you. For God has been gracious to me and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted. Esau forgave his brother. After his brother hurt him intentionally, took away from him what was rightfully going to be his intentionally, Left nothing for him, for his father to give, intentionally. And yet, Esau forgave his own brother. Did Jacob deserve it? Probably not. But did Esau give it anyway? Yeah. It's the promise. You will be a blessing. Jacob blessed his brother with things. Esau blessed his brother with love and forgiveness. He embraced him and they both cried as grown men. He embraced him and they both cried. Being in the family of God can be tough. It can be really tough. Churches have their own dramas many times. And churches fold because of inter-church drama. Intra-church drama, excuse me. Churches are of people that are united by God, but... Sometimes our divisions and our hurts are what is paramount for us, and we divorce each other away. Being in the family of God is not just means that everything's all rainbows, unicorns, and roses every day. It isn't. But as I look here amongst you, I see people who I consider my family. I see brothers, I see sisters, I see fathers and mothers. And I know I'm not alone as you look out here. But it takes a conscious effort to realize that I'm in the family of God. It takes a conscious effort to realize that. Because God is about his business of bringing a family together to govern over his world in righteousness, in justice, in being good as he made it to be. That's the mission. That's what this is all about. It's amazing because you have to really think about yourself and what your role is in this because everyone can have a place everyone can have a role in this if you so choose in John chapter 1 there's an incredible passage in verse 10 it says he was in the world meaning Jesus Christ and through and through the world was and though excuse me and though the way though the world was made through him the world did not recognize him He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But check this part out. Watch, watch, watch the pronoun usage right now. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. God wants to know who's in the family. Who's in the family? Are you a child of God? Not just a creation, but are you a child? Do we have a parent-child relationship? Am I your father? Are you my son? Are you my daughter? We can accept it or reject it, but that's what's on the table. The author C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, said, The son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. That's deep. God bound himself to creation in the person of Jesus Christ to show us what a son of God looks like. To show us what a true child of God is all about. That's what that title means, the son of God, showing us what he's about, what the father is about. Jesus and the Father are one, and that's an example for all of us. So, to consider, some questions I have for you. Ask yourself this, am I in the family of God? Not, not that you attend the Sunday morning family meetings, but I'm, am I in the family? Am I really committed? Have I given my loyalty and love, not only to my father, but to my fellow brothers and sisters? Am I I really about this? Is this real to me? Now, if you've never heard any of this and you say, man, I don't know about church. I don't know. I've been confused. I'm offering this to you. See, this is a family. And are we perfect? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I can't promise you we're perfect. I can't promise you that we're not flawed. But I can promise you that there is someone greater that unites us together. That I can promise you. And I can promise you that we are committed to him. That we're committed to this. Look at these pictures here. Look at these photos here. Look at all these photos. This is us. This is who we are. This is Christ's Fellowship. We're a family. A family of families together. And we're bound by God Almighty to do his will. To love God, make disciples, and change the world. But are you in the family? Not just attending the meetings, not just showing up. I'm talking about are you here in the family. That's us. This is real. It's not some idea. This is flesh and blood, real life, generations, as you can see in these pictures. Now, for those of us who say yes to that, yeah, I'm in the family, Elliot. Of course, I'm in the family. Consider this What is your role in this family? What's your role in this family? Are we really brothers and sisters? Can I count on you to be my brother and to be my sister in Christ? Or is that just an idea? I've heard for years people be a part of church. But even they say, oh, church, everyone's fake. Everyone's fake. No one really gets to know each other. Everyone's fake. Just put on a smile and say, yeah, I'm doing fine. God bless you, brother. And I get that. And that's something that just really just erodes all of our, our punch as a church, as a real community. I mean, we have Christian families and Christian marriages, but some marriages are on the brink of divorce right now. But we show up to church and put on a good face, and I get it, I understand, it, and I've been there. We have to think about who we are and know that we are, who, we are becoming who Christ is. But that's a conscious effort that needs to be done so there are many families in here today, and I know. But I also know that some of us would like other family members to be here. But I have to ask, what are you doing to make that happen? And yes, you're praying, and, and, and you should be praying, yes, because it is that person's decision. But I know some people might have been really exhausted by praying and might want to just close the door, shut the lights, I they ain't going to come back. But think about Jacob and Esau, to the point where Esau embraced his own brother and forgave him. Who's the real deal? Who's for real? As the classic hymn says, God our Father, Christ our brother, all who live in love are thine. Teach us how to love each other. Lift us to the joy divine. Third question to ask you. As a member of God's family, am I doing my best to make sure that my family is healthy? Am I doing my best? Now, I'm really asking you to think about this. Are you adding to family drama in this church? Are you adding to family drama with your fellow Christians? Because, listen, you could be the guy who carries around his Bible at work. You could be the girl that has the Bible verses on the cubicle. But are you the real deal to make this family healthy and strong, or is it just about you? Are you using your blessings to bless others that the world will be blessed through you in what you do, or not? Or not? You've really got to be be right down the line on this one, saying is it or is it not? Are you a healthy contributor? Are you bringing a toxicity here? Are you a wolf in sheep's clothing? Let's just say it like that. And my prayer for any Christian out there who's a wolf in sheep's clothing is that they would be exposed and removed until they come back in repentance. Are you hurting other Christians? Because I'll tell you this, what I'm sick of, and I see it a lot, and I'm sure you do too. You might see it, but you also might be a contributor to it, so let's not get too big-headed about it. I'm really sick of the Christian on Christian violence. I'm sick of the Christian on Christian hate. I'm sick of the people who have the cross or the fish on their car, but got the middle finger out the window. And I know you are too, because I think we're longing for something that's real. We're not longing for the ritual of church, but for the community of church. Because the rituals are easy. The rituals are easy. But who here? comes to this gathered community to know and be known and not just to see and be seen, who is here that really in this year, 2022, wants to say, you know what? I have to repent because I've been bringing hurt to my fellow Christian brothers and sisters. I'm not reliable. You know, I tell people, and this maybe this is you, and I've, I've seen people confess this, you know, telling people like, yeah, I'll pray for you, but you never do. You know what's better than saying, I'll pray for you? How about you just pray with them right now? Say, let's, all, let's bend our knee right now, right now, because I love you, because you're my brother, you're my sister, and you're coming to me as a fellow brother and sister saying, like, I need help. I need wisdom and understanding. Don't dismiss that person, please. Especially if you feel uncomfortable with what's happening, but they're coming to you. They're coming to you as a brother and sister, putting their trust in you. I mean, think, can you trust someone with that? Can you trust someone? Do you have someone that you can confess to, that they can lift you up and restore you into godliness? I'll tell you this, everyone. A community is a gathered people. A church is a community. But a community can be weak and dying if the people of the community aren't committed to the betterment of the whole. If it's just me, 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 I, 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 me and minds, then that's how communities suffer and die. If everyone's looking over their shoulder, insecure about other people within the community, that's a problem. And many churches, many churches have fallen away because of that. I mean, some of us are here because we were in other churches that that was happening. And that's why we're here now. I had to ask you that. As a member of God's family, am I doing my best to make sure that this family is healthy? When we have child dedications, we dedicate infants to the Lord, we ask a question to the whole community. Are you going to contribute and help this child to know Christ? And everyone says, yes. But is it real? Is it real? Are you going to influence my child negatively? Are you? I don't want that. I want a community where my children, your children, our children can grow up knowing God. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. The Bible is amazing. It's amazing. And I really invite all of you to read it carefully. And not only that, but read it and then ask questions to someone else. Have someone together where you can guide each other. I really encourage that. Because it's best when it's done together. And the Bible is amazing. It's artwork. It's beauty. And it's writing. And it's stories. It's, it's beautiful. And what's amazing to me is the Bible's a full circle ending. It's God and creator, and creator and creation combined, unified in the beginning. And in the end, it's creator and creation unified again. It's Eden to Eden. And as the poet says, one day, all of us in Christ will sit around an enormous table exquisitely set with a feast of rich foods prepared in divine kitchens. No one will be left out. No one will be alone. No one will be nameless. No one unknown. No one with nowhere to go. We will finally be home together. Together. This is a time now, as we come to pray and end our time together, where you need to ask God to search your heart. In the beginning of this year, you need to ask God to search your heart so God can know and you can know what your motives are. What's really in there? Am I I contributing to my family? Am I really about the business of God? Do I know God enough even to say that? With every eye closed and head bowed, I want you to pray right now and ask God, God, I wanna be in your family. And not only in your family, but I wanna contribute to this family. God, forgive me for blowing off my brothers and sisters. Forgive me for having rage in my heart towards my brother and sisters, like how Esau had to Jacob. God, let me be like Esau. Let me be like him and forgive and love. Let me be giving. God, help me to do something now that will go throughout time, through and through, as we walk together as a community. I'm just going to give you a moment with God now. God, you see this gathered body. We're not perfect. We're not flawless, but God, help us to be unified together by you. Help us not to hate one another or hurt one another. Forgive us for doing so, God. God, let us be contributors, blessings to one another in this community. And for those of us who are committed to doing wrong, God, may you just guide us in repentance. God, we are sorry. Forgive us. And with that forgiveness, help us to forgive one another. Help us to forgive and love one another, God. And for the children and family members who are far off, help us to leave the light on, God. Help us leave the door open. Help us to run and embrace them as they come to us, Lord God, and not weigh them down with burdens that we can't even carry. God, let's be real this year. Please, Lord, show us, expose us, open us wide open to teach us your way and your wisdom, Lord. God, I pray for everyone here, especially the families, Lord God. God, I pray that there is love and forgiveness in these families, Lord. I pray that the families are bonded in unity, Lord. I pray that we can bond together as adults so that our children can bond together and their children, and their children, and their children. In Jesus' name, God, please help us, Lord, to be a true family and value one another as your children. Help us, God. And God, we lift up the future to the people who we don't know, the people years from now who will hear of us, will hear the stories of us. God, may those who come behind us find us faithful. May our testimonies be the foundation that they are on generations from now, God. May there be a milestone that we can look back to to say, yes, that's where God brought us. And there'll be more milestones to go further and further and further as you, God, bring many sons and daughters into your glory. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we say, amen. Now, before you leave, let me just say a couple more things. Commit yourself to this word. Let this not be a moment of infotainment, but let this be real to you. And as we go through the rest of the Bible, the next book, Exodus, You're going to see God's people, and they're going to be in a hard place. But you will see God's power, his power in what he can do. Some readings for you is Exodus chapters 1, 11, 12, 19, and 20 specifically. But we encourage you, read everything. Read the whole thing. These are just certain parts. And we encourage you also to memorize, to get in your head God's commandments, the Ten Commandments. This is where we're going, everyone. Join this family. And not only join, but be a healthy member of the family. God bless you all. I
0: love you. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.